Hello, welcome back to Eldritch Girl. And now we're on to chapter 17. This chapter is called Fearless and Therefore Powerful, which is a quote from chapter 20 of Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley. Um, <laughs> uh, quite apt, I guess, but like Wes is a bit of a bastard like Frankenstein, but also is, I don't know, like in the role of the creature at this point, which would make Ricky Frankenstein. I don't know, like, oh, discuss. Anyway, I quite like the quote, so that's um, that's the chapter heading for this one. Content warnings include um, some gore, family violence, quite a lot of that. Um, just the usual stuff, really. Um, lots of alcohol use. Um, Wes being Wes, Ricky being Ricky. It's all it's all just Ricky being Ricky in a very overstimulating environment. So that's um, that's potentially uh, something because I think you see Ricky as much more ADHD here, and Wes is also. But like I've said this before, like Wes is very hyperactive. Um, Ricky is more like inattentive type or combination type um, but Ricky also has trouble with a lot of sensory stuff um, and that doesn't really come up until he's put in situations where it's very very obvious that he does um, so he's not acting like himself kind of now I think he's gone on this weird growth trajectory Ricky has over the course of the three books and now you've got this um I don't know interesting situation where he's absorbed a lot of vocabulary and a lot of language from Carrie and from the films that they watch together when he can bear to watch films um and from Katie and Wes as well because they're the two people that he most talks to um and he's such a chameleon that he's borrowing phrases and things from them um and he's almost a little bit lost in this book i think because he's he's kind of getting to the point where he doesn't know who he is anymore so i think that needs to be explored later uh, this was wes's book and i just couldn't fit the whole of everybody's arc into one book so um yeah so i need to kind of have a think about how I'm going to do that and um, show you different bits and pieces of, of his life. Again, a lot of it will be through the Kofi letters as well, because I use those to explore things. But here we go with chapter 17. Hope you're ready. This also has one of my favourite scenes in it near the end, which is just the beautiful visual of, you know, kind of Wes covered in blood. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that part. Let's go. Chapter 17. Chapter 17. Fearless and therefore powerful. 11th of May. He was back. The lonely ache was invisible, and its mark on his skin, its dull glaze in his eyes, all of that was erased. Wes stood tall, forgetting everything except the brush strokes and glitter, as if that was all he was. Nothing for you, he said to his cousin, throwing open the door to his bar. You're on the water until we get to the blood. Oh, tar. Ricky pulled a face. But that's fresh. Mineral water, not tap water. We're not peasants. Wes snapped his fingers at the bar staff and bottles of mineral water appeared. Here, are these regulars? Ricky asked, hurrying to keep up. Wes hadn't even thought about it. Why? You're sending them home, right? No. Wes glanced around. Everything was ready and the security staff had their instructions on when to bolt the doors. 
Wes had secured a reprieve for Uncle David Wend on the understanding that he share his resources and keep his head down. Ricky gave them a glance. What happens when everyone changes? Wes hadn't thought about the staff at all, apart from where he'd hire the new ones. Look, they've mostly worked vampire clubs in the city. This is just levelling up. Is that why they're wearing collars? Ricky slid himself into the central semicircular seating that Wes shooed him into, clearly uncomfortable with the setup. Wes snorted, never tiring of Ricky's gorgeously sheltered assumptions, although neck protection made logical sense. No. Ricky shot him a suspicious glare as a server, hand-picked by Wes for their androgynous aesthetic, carried a porn star martini to the table with a bottle of mineral water and a tall glass with ice and lemon. They'll be eaten alive. Wes hoped this particular one wouldn't be. They were also a laundry model, and finding a replacement wouldn't be easy. Relax, I'm not having a free-for-all. Wes quirked an eyebrow amused. What do you care, anyway? Your lady's having quite the effect on you on the quiet, isn't she? Ricky flushed and tightened his jaw. Wes guessed what was in his pocket, noting Ricky's hand hadn't left it for some time. Why doesn't she join us? We don't know if she can so far from the house, Ricky said, but Wes didn't buy that. He leaned into Ricky's ear. Don't you want to show off a bit? Bet she'd be impressed. Ricky shifted out of whisper range to pour himself a glass of water. She's seen it. Your glory is outstanding, Wes said between sips of his cocktail. I'll never get used to it. If there was one thing he was learning to appreciate more than making Ricky squirm, it was making him resist flattery. Compliments were generally met with mistrust and slid off the man faster than doing water sports on a baby oil body slide, but Wes was getting the feel of King Richard's armour and where all the little chinks were. It was definitely worth taking him out for a meal and a drink every now and then. This particular off-hand remark had the desired effect. Ricky sat back slowly, shoulders back, cocky grin flickering over his face as he tried to remain serious. You ain't seen it as often as her. Maybe I see you a bit differently, Wes said, soft and syrupy. You know, since she's a house. A very handsome house at that. He wasn't sure about the practicalities and never been good at DIY, but he wouldn't say no to a bit of hands-on instruction. Ricky gulped his water in silence, oblivious to Wes's unchaste thoughts about his domestic arrangements. Ask her to come out, Wes coaxed him. Then you'll have a bit of company for the evening and she can look after the staff if she feels so inclined. She says it's not her kind of place, Ricky said, hands still in his pocket. Appreciates the invite, though. Invite's always open. Wes finished his cocktail and signalled for another. We ready to open the doors? Ricky nodded. Might as well. He rubbed his chest. Everyone I could reach is either here or a couple of hours out, but we'll have a full house by ten. Do you even know what time it is now, or are you just saying random numbers? Wes checked his watch with a deliberate cuff flick, irked that neither his sister nor his cousin had noticed it. It had only cost a bit less than the bloody nightclub. It's getting close to nine. Ricky didn't even glance at it. Eleven, then. Full house by midnight. Easy. I'll tell them to bolt the doors at one, Wes said, doing the calculations for him. Nobody goes out after they come in. A creeping thrill was catching up with him, and the cocktail hadn't touched the sides. He needed something to take the edge off. His second arrived, and Ricky eyed it sourly. No harm in me having... Later, Wes drew the glass towards him. We need you focused until the grand purge. My role is just the sparkling host bait. He smirked and clinked the side of Ricky's water glass with his. To family. Ricky rolled his shoulders back and grunted. 
Your role is to sit there, shut up, and make sure none of them get away. But mostly to sit there and shut up. Let's get this over with. Wes knew his family and what would impress them. A show of influence. Not just money, but real power. There were differences in taste and aesthetic, of course, and the Blue Rose would not be to everyone's liking. But he could demonstrate the power. Ricky was hardly dressed the part, but they all knew the soothsayer was a god. He didn't need to look good, not with Wes beside him, drawing all their fascination when he dialed it up a notch. The runes in his head from the stone circle buzzed for attention, now they could be used again. Everything felt fresher, sharper, more potent than before. Thank fuck for Grandpa Nathan. Wes adjusted his shirt and gave the nod to his security, the second cocktail refreshing, but not hitting the spot yet. So, when they come in, do you want to get their attention first, say a few words? Wes turned to Ricky and was met with a stony stare. No? My job? Ricky sipped his water. I'll wait until the grand finale. So the initial welcome is my job. Good to know. Wes threw back the second cocktail and snapped his fingers for another. We're quite the power couple, you and me. And yet I can't have one bloody drink. Ricky shook his head, moody. Wes put his arm around him. Come on, man. You're all right. Did you not bring any of that herbal tea? Calm your nerves. Ricky shrugged him off. No, I didn't think I'd need it. Such hubris, Wes said, and Ricky gave him a strange look that made him laugh. Sorry. My God, I'm in a good mood. I feel fucking amazing. He relented. Fuck it, you're a god. Have a beer. One. Make it last. The sound of the family entering the club made him grin, but Ricky wince. That wince brought Wes up short, tempering his invincibility. You... You've really never faced them sober, have you? Not all at once. Course I have. Yeah, but not without your tea, not with nothing. That's what I mean. Wes frowned. I always thought it was... I thought you were such a fucking rebel, and then I thought... No, it's not that. He just can't stand to be around us. Bitterness crept in. Bet you're glad our Katie's eaten most of them. Ricky exhaled slowly, leaning his forearms on the table. Or maybe I just like being on my own. You're not that shy. He hadn't meant to scoff, but that wasn't the Ricky he'd kept alive in his head all these years. Estranged years, sure, where they'd only met up for entrail and bone readings and had very little to say to each other, and Wes had shut down any small talk Ricky attempted so he could get his stock and racing tips and get back to his real life. He knew ascetic Ricky was a miserable bastard, but now he could do whatever he wanted. He was... boring. Wes hadn't expected that. He bounded onto the stage as the family filed in, basking in their scandalised whispers and hissing as they realised who their host was. It was Ricky who silenced them. His tendrils shut out and cracked in the air like bullwhips, retreating instantly but settling them all down. None of them had seen the soothsayer for months. Some hadn't seen him for over a year, his eldritch form and preferred tributes only fabled, not experienced. Wes soaked up the atmosphere, dark and quiet, replete with the electric buzz of danger. He threw out his arms, bathed in spotlights and lips against the mic, launching into his welcome speech. There were enough of them that they could pass the word on to later arrivals. His image flooded the banks of screens behind him, each forgettable slice of himself burrowing into their minds. He brought the dancing symbols from the stone circle to mind, his beautiful green tickets to the life of adoration he'd always wanted, and drank in their fascination. He looked for Dave, his only living brother, for Kim and Lucy and Kirsty, their surviving sisters, but he wasn't sure if he wanted to see them as his puppets. 
He could force them to love him again, to forgive him, to make him part of their lives, but it would never be the same as before. Stop milking it and say something, Ricky said in his head. He could have said any old shit, strung random words together that made no sense and they'd have applauded. He stuck to the script, throwing in a crappy joke for good measure. Laugh, he instructed them silently as it failed to land, and they and the bar staff obediently cackled like a pack of wild hyenas. Only Ricky was unimpressed, but Ricky was not looking at him. Wes wrapped up the housekeeping and the instructions not to leave, handed over to the DJ and jumped down, wondering if they'd tear him to pieces in an act of worship. What a way to go, though. They kept their distance, vacant and slow. Wes wondered if the bank of screens had been overkill, but his glory would wear off in a few hours unless he had another dose. It probably wouldn't matter. How is that? he asked, rejoining Ricky. Are you feeling any cult shit? Ricky shook his head. No, wait until they're all here, then I'll change proper and let you know. I'll turn their bloody brains inside out if I have to, but we'll get them all. The family began waking up from their glory-induced trance state, milling around, then scattering to booths and bars, leaving the dance floor empty for now and the central table undisturbed. The music came on, background stuff, before the main event. "'Wish I could do what you can do,' Wes murmured, watching the tension in Ricky's muscles. He resisted the urge to feel his bicep, as well as tell them what to think. "'You don't tell them what to think,' Ricky corrected him. "'You give them ideas. You don't control how that plays out.' "'Reckon I can now,' Wes said, affronted. "'I haven't had a chance to try out what I learned in the circle yet. "'I only wanted to go there so I could cure Charlie, get a proper handle on this.' "'So why the fuck did you jump down that bastard well?' Ricky asked, "'sitting back against the purple leather. "'What the hell was that about?' Wes shrugged. "'Everything I said about you needing your glory to defeat Grandad if it comes to it, "'and not wanting to end the world with mine, all that was true. "'But honestly—' Getting rid of it completely seemed easier, and I was sick of it, genuinely, just without it. He trailed off and sipped the latest cocktail that had appeared in front of him. One of those grass is greener situations, Ricky shrugged, grimacing. Field not as good as it looked from the other side. Something like that. Wes couldn't describe the last few weeks, but Carrie's assessment, flat, anticlimactic, average, haunted him. Compared to what he could do now, the command he had over anyone who saw him, being regular and memorable was a prize he'd be better off not winning. I still think you should give it a chance, Ricky toyed with his glass, the eyes swirling against the sides. You got no direction, that's your problem. Yours came to me for that. I did not, Wes raised his voice over the music. What do you mean? Ricky frowned. Everything big you ever did, you always asked me first. All this you got, I was the one who told you how to get it. I told you the omens for this and that, and you never pushed back on it. You did whatever I told you to. Yeah, but that's... everyone does that, Wes protested, grip tightening on the stem of his cocktail glass. I came up with the ideas in the first place. No, you didn't. Ricky tried to get comfortable against the upholstery, although it was probably the volume and the lights that were bothering him most. He wasn't used to swirling colours scything around him, and he was blinking more. You came to me with other people's ideas. It was all, this posh cunt said this was the best thing to do, is he right? And this thick, rich bastard reckons he's better than me, so how do I bet against him? That's how it all started. I never said that. Now, nah, well, I'm paraphrasing. Ricky squinted at him and cleared his throat, battling the music. These were meant to be your friends, I recall. 
Wes heard the inverted commas in his tone and scowled. What's your point? Lay off our Katie for a bit. Wes hadn't been expecting that. Ricky sniffed and sipped his iced water. Stop expecting her to know what to do with her life when you've got no bloody clue what to do with your own. Let her work it out. Not just that, that's related, but you need to think about what you really want. I don't mean the club, I mean all of it. And if you don't really know, don't expect her to. What about you? was demanded. You've abdicated your responsibilities for months. You are going to give up everything, regardless of whether that doomed us to Grandad's reign of terror or not. And for what? What do you want? Ricky shook his head. I'm going to die soon, so it doesn't really matter what I want, as per bloody usual. Bollocks! Wes slammed his hand on the table, making the drinks jump. Cut that out. we got a plan, remember? Can't be killed by cultists if there's no fucking cult. Did you see a version where I got to live that you're not telling me about? Ricky raised his eyebrows, face devoid of his usual cockiness, eyes dulled and sad. No? Then it doesn't work. You can't fight fate, it don't matter what the options are. You could heal. Can't do that with no glory, can you? So again, had to be me that gave mine up. Wes shook his head. I didn't see the details. We don't know what don't. Ricky shook his head. Keep your hope. I don't want it. Wes slapped the table twice, brewing with frustration, and held out his hand. Right, let's make a deal. If you survive this, and I survive this, and Madam up there survives this, and the world doesn't end, we all sit down and sort our shit out together. Right? Ricky looked at the offered hand without taking it for a long moment, then nodded and shook it. Deal. Perfect. Wes cleared his throat, not releasing Ricky's hand right away. He pressed his thumb into Ricky's palm, stroking the back of it with his fingers, leaning closer to Ricky's ear, even though he was sure there was nobody near enough to eavesdrop. Got something for you in the office, like I promised. Whole jar I got for your dad. Don't leave without it. Ricky nodded, sliding his hand out of Wes's grip. Ta. You're welcome. Wes turned back to stare out over the dance floor and summoned a server for another porn star martini. Chapter 17, Part 2 All went well until the latecomers trickled in. Ricky had disappeared to check on Katie, which Wes knew meant he'd had enough of the noise. Wes didn't think he'd even been in a bar since he turned 20. He'd lost count of his porn star martinis at this point, but was getting to the properly buzzed stage. He should start pacing himself a bit. God, who was he? He barely knew. What the fuck was he doing playing politics and running a nightclub? Why was he trying to be a responsible adult for his partners who'd fucked off and left him as soon as he gave up everything to make a life with them? Yeah, sure, he was saving the world and being a hero, but if nobody who mattered knew about it, what the fuck was the point? Just as he helped himself to Ricky's water, it all kicked off. One of the foremans, freshly arrived and already out of his skull, glory on full display, dragged one of the bar staff over the bar by their collar and ripped them apart. It happened so quickly that Wes didn't even see which member of staff it was. Oh, fuck no, Wes muttered, a rush of fury immolating his better judgment. He leapt up and strode over. He lost all his siblings, someone said in Wes's earshot, as if this excused the behaviour. His last brothers were killed. The foreman raised a kidney high, gore dripping over his moor and the fronds erupting from his neck. I'm the last one! I'm the last! he yelled above the music, confronting Wes with a manic grin and glazed cherry eyes, not seeing him but looking straight through him for people who weren't there. His pupils were blown, and for all Wes knew he was probably seeing his dead brothers for real. This is for you, boys! 
Wes had never felt more powerful. Anger fuelled him, the righteous fury of violation, of being defied, of someone fucking around in his club with his staff of all the years of disrespect, of criticism, of bullshit. Glyphs danced in front of his eyes in the parade of disco lights. Fucking join them, Wes ground out through gritted teeth, drawing strength from everyone in the room. He seized the fronds either side of the foreman's neck and pulled. Everything in him resonated to a note of pure, vindictive pleasure. The foreman dropped the kidney on the ruined corpse of the bartender. He let out a scream that sliced through the music, jerking with the power of fuck knew how many volts, and Wes knew it wasn't electricity but something else, something he was, pouring out of him and into the foreman's body, glory to glory. The scream stopped when the foreman fell apart. Wes dropped the dismembered fronds, dazed, drunk with power. The body was a pile of parts at his feet, a slippery, gory jigsaw. It could have been a cousin he'd fucked, drank with, kissed. There was nothing recognisable about him now. Wes turned to face the gathering on the dance floor, hands slick with the remains, and pressed his palms against his temples. He slicked his hair back in a slow, deliberate motion, coating his hair with it. They wouldn't remember what his hair looked like, but they would remember what it was covered with. "'Nobody,' he said, voice carrying easily as the music died, "'touches the fucking staff. "'And nobody, not a single motherfucking one of you, crosses me.' "'He snapped his fingers and the music restarted. "'Security came to clear up the mess. "'They had worked for Uncle David and knew what to do when the bodies hit the floor. "'The rest of the staff cowered behind the bar, "'although it wasn't unusual for their blood-sucking clientele to get out of hand.' Wes left that to their supervisor to handle. The beat pounded in his ears. He resumed his seat, and when Ricky came back to sit beside him, he expected him to say something like, "'Can't leave you alone for five minutes,' but they said nothing to each other. Wes glanced at his cousin, and Ricky's brief, twisted smile was knowing and cutting both at once. Wes had learned three things in that moment of total control. One, that this was a power that no one should wield, and certainly not him. Two, if there was only one way to get it back for good, that's the way it would have to be. And three, he was never going to give it up, not ever again, and there wasn't a soul on this earth who could make him. He glanced at Ricky, his visions pricking him with guilt. Not even you, Wes thought with a twinge of regret, even if you die for it. He smiled as Ricky caught his eye, raising his glass. Not even you.